So I wanted to take just a moment uh, to share something that I've been thinking a lot about recently. And so I have uh, some surprising numbers that I want to share with you this morning. These are, these are, these are shocking and surprising numbers that I'm going to share with you. And the first number is, and Bob's got these queued up. We've, we've practiced this, so this is going to be slick. The first number is 94. That's right, 94. That has been the average attendance here in worship this summer. And that is a 22% increase over the same period last year. And, and that's really exciting. And I, and I think there's this sort of this very collective sense that I share uh, that God has really been doing something special here at Resurrection Minneapolis, especially over the course of the last couple, couple of years. We've seen a lot of uh, amazing things happen. And, and there's been more people here. And there's a vibrancy and a spirit and, a, and an energy that's just here. It's been really fun and exciting to be a part of. That number is exciting, but it also presents us with a challenge. And it's a challenge that cuts to the very heart of our, of our mission and our vision. So if I were to say, well, what, what is the vision here? Why, why, do, why do we exist? Why do we do what we do? And the, I think the most basic answer I can give is to obey the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. And the great commandment is, you know, someone asks Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, they hang on that. So be about what Jesus was about. And then before he ascended into heaven, he said, well, I'm giving you this commission, disciples, apostles. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and disciple the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And know that I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have a great commandment. We have a great commission. And we have this vision, I think, as a church. That we want to care more. We want to care just as much about the people who aren't a part of this community yet as we do the people who already are an other focus and an outside focus we want to create space for the people who aren't here yet and so here's a surprising thing that i've learned and i've and i've been thinking is that there is a real danger to our mission and our vision and that danger is that number 94 that 94 represents a, a, a red flashing signal to our mission. Uh, because the reality is that given this room, there's actually no more space here. And so you might hear that number and you might look around and say, well, balderdash. There is plenty of room here. There's plenty of space. But there's appearances and then there's reality. And so appearances say you can cram scores more people here in this room. But here's something fascinating that I learned based on the, the best research that's available is that the comfortable seating capacity of this sanctuary, so there's, a form, there's formulas you can use for this, pew inches, and you divide them, and you figure out how many human beings can comfortably fit in this sanctuary, comfortable being at least 25 inches of space for yourself. This is America, okay? I don't want to sit too close to someone, all right? Like, let's just keep it real. Uh, especially in a pew, it's so personal, you know? It's one bench. It's not like your own defined seat space. And so um, the comfortable seating capacity of this room is another surprising number. 82. 82. The year I was born, 1982. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. And, it, and um, that's the number at which, uh, um, according to the research, that, that people who start coming... Uh, they go, ah, it's too full, there's no space for me. Or your regular attenders are encouraged to attend less 
frequently. And actually, the number at which one expert I read said he would recommend, you know, given a size of a, this room, adding a second service or doing something about it would be 74 people. Now, if you're like me, that number is shocking because it seems so low. It seems too low to be real. You know, but the reality is we're full even when it doesn't feel like it to us. And so the question then, the the real question that we're faced with is, okay, given this problem, which some people will say, well, that's a good problem to have, uh, but but what are you going to do about it? And so there's a few answers that you can give. One is, you know, add more seats. Like, let's use the balcony. Have people up there. The balcony you get, got, used to get used back in the day. I used to sit in the balcony. It was a wonderful place to not pay attention to church and screw around. It was, I spent a few years up there playing tic-tac-toe during the sermon. I paid attention. I would, but during the sermon, I would play tic-tac-toe. Uh, and it was nothing. Pastor Don was great. It was about me being a punk teen, you know, but yeah, you sit up in the balcony and you can't even see, you can, can't see anyone else in there. It's so disconnected. Or some people have even threatened to sit in the choir loft, <laughs> which would just be weird. It would be strange. Senta, Senta has threatened to do that on many occasions. It's a, it's a promise, not a threat. If you look at Senta City, think how weird that would be. Um, but hey, sometimes you got to get strange. That's the solution to problems. But just saying, okay, or, you know, but if we, if we want to add more seats, that it would actually be really expensive to kind of rejigger the sanctuary to make it have the in kind of increased capacity that we would need. And, and personally, I think that's kind of a, an example of, of, of thinking small. And so what I've been talking about with the leadership, and I've mentioned it briefly, I think, at the annual meeting, but I've been thinking a lot about this, is that what makes sense from a practical but a missional perspective, that's the most important thing, is, is having two services, allowing us to create space to include more people in the life of this congregation, this community, so they can hear the gospel, worship, be discipled, serve, discover, and live out their gifts. Because we want more people to be able, I mean, the things that we love about here, don't we want to be able to share that with more people? And our, our commitment to one another, our praise of God, the centrality of scripture in our life together, our, our desire to live out the gospel, share that with other people. Um, you know, if God is bringing more and more people here, who are we to say that, well, it's only open to the folks who we can sort of fit in here. And everyone else, sorry. You know, go find something else. And so if God has called us to create space for the people he will bring here, to me, two services seems like the best and most faithful solution we have. And if God continues to do this, it's not a question of if, but when that should happen. And making this move is our way together to live into this mission and vision that God has given us. But there are risks. What happens to this sense of unity we have, right? That's what we like about here. As we've got to work, the hard work is to continue to build relationships. We've got to be honest that what unites our church is not being in the same room, but Christ and the mission and vision he's given us. And there's also this fear, well, I'm not going to know everyone anymore. But again, being honest, just saying, well, what matters most isn't knowing everyone, but being known. That's the most important thing. And, and, you know, we can only have really close relationships with five to ten people in our lives. And if you think about the new people who you go to church with, you know, how much do you really know someone? So what's important is being known, not knowing everyone. 
That's where things like life groups come in, right? Creating those spaces where we can be known. But I think the realest risk, and the one I see is the most pressing, the most real for us, is this is going to kill momentum. You go from a full room to two empty rooms. And that would be depressing, right? That would feel like a step backwards, a giant step backwards. And so I have another number for you. 35. Experts say you shouldn't start a new service unless there will be 35 people at it every time you open the doors. But what I see as the greatest risk of all, more than losing momentum or sense of community or unity, is doing nothing. And just seeing what happens. Because everything that I've read suggests that, well, we'll sort of hit our hard water mark and then we'll kind of go back down to the 82 realm. That's sort of going to be our, our, our sort of natural size. And so the biggest problem with doing nothing is that it won't be us living into the church that God has called us to be. To be happy with being complacent and comfortable. And so, you know, we go, what's the worst that could happen? We try something and we fail. But actually the worst thing that could happen is we never take a risk and we never try and so we never fail. Paul Tillich, the Lutheran theologian, said, The one who risks and fails can be forgiven. But the one who never risks and never fails is a failure in his whole being. Those are hard words, but man, they're good. And so I talked a lot about the risks, but there are so many benefits. More people being able to be a part of it, creating space. Um, If you can't come at a certain time, you can come again. And it also helps with volunteers. Because you can serve... Uh, at one service and then attend another. And so what I'm asking is, before we make this step, and I don't want this to feel like this is something that's happening to people. So here's a decision. You're a passive recipient of it. But I'm actually asking you to contribute to, to seeing, you know, before we would roll this out, and the earliest we'd, we'd try it would be, the fall would be to respond to a survey we're going to have asking, one, what service time would you attend, just sort of based on your natural preferences, when you can get up and get going earlier or later, And then the really important question is, would you be willing to attend both services at least once a month through the end of the year? That way we can ensure that we have the critical mass needed to pull both services off. And so we'll be sending this out in email um, this week, and we'll have a paper copy of the survey printed available starting um, next Sunday. And so one last thing uh, before we continue and we have communion is that a lot of thought and prayer has gone into this. And, And this is a big challenge for us. It seems like a big challenge for us, but God is bigger. Then our challenges, our fears, our concerns. And I'm more than happy to sit down and talk. And if, if you're hearing this and you're going, this doesn't sound right or this makes me uncomfortable, please know it makes me extremely uncomfortable too, the thought of doing this. I kind of like just doing the one thing simply and having that be good. That makes me happy. Um, but what matters most isn't what makes me comfortable. And so please know, if you feel uncomfortable about this, you're in good company. But we want to be faithful to God's mission. And I want to close with one final number and wait to get to this. The final number is 100. Oh, shoot. 100%. 100% of the times you try something, you risk failure. But as Michael Scott said, quoting Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So let's give it our best shot for the glory of God and the good of the city. Please pray with me.